0: welcome to for the love of food podcast this live podcast is a culinary focused conversation with local restaurateurs from orange county and i'm interviewing these folks so i feel very lucky my name is chef Daniela malfitano and i'm an author of nine cookbooks an integrative nutrition health coach and the creator of the new youtube series my choice kitchen it's a cooking and mindfulness series for families and young people to really explore making healthy choices in the kitchen and beyond. This program is an in-depth conversation about history, inspiration, community, and how these elements relate to cooking and serving hungry people in this busy industry. Today, I'm very excited to sit with a passionate local Orange County chef who has been putting the pedal to the metal in the kitchen as an industry veteran, and I'll say even leader for the last 20 years. He's made a great reputation for himself in several restaurants throughout Orange County, including Splashes at the Surf and Sand Resort in Laguna Beach, Temecula Creek Inn in Temecula, and the Balboa Bay Club in Newport Beach. He now serves as corporate executive for Salt Creek Grill, which is a bi-coastal premium casual dining concept with five iconic restaurants in California and New Jersey. And he serves as the executive chef of The Pickled Monk, a new contemporary gastropub experience in downtown Fullerton. Please help me welcome Chef David Founier. <laughs> chef, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us tonight.
1: Absolutely. It's the Thirsty Thursday. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> Either I'm missing out or some of my guests are missing out.
0: I hope that that's not the case. (laughs) No, we were just talking that in the kitchen, we both know very well this dance of just sort of going with the flow. Things are not always what they seem in restaurants especially in kitchens it's always you know an opportunity to continue to move with the demand of the industry of the people of the flow of the evening and before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of the questions i did a deep dive into your background in history over the last week and i just uh-huh. want to anchor us in, <laughs> in in a second in, in into this conversation um i find it super fascinating to sit with chefs and, and industry folk and have conversations that really examine the beginning and so i want to i want to start there um, i want to know how did you first fall in love with food and when did your passion for food and cooking really start
1: well my first introduction with food was um i was if you want to start at the beginning i was a uh, child who got in trouble all the time <laughs> so I was grounded a lot and in that um, I had a couple of choices I could either help my dad in the garage or I could help my mom in the kitchen and I love my mom I love my dad too but <laughs> <laughs> food is around and you know cartoons can still be on in the background so I chose my mom um, and she was a great cook she was from the Philippines but she was really open about embracing the American culture and doing different types of cuisine and introducing my brother and I to different foods, which my dad was very kind of meat and potatoes about. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was kind of like my mentor with food. She, mm. she didn't teach me how to pick ripe fruit like my dad did. My dad had a special talent for seafood and produce, which I thought was really cool that I didn't know back then, but I obviously know now. I'm like, wow, dad really knew what he was talking about. Um, <laughs> So I kinda learned that from him and and really just kinda like how to use chopsticks and how to order steak and how to be okay with eating fat from my mom. So um, I kinda got the best of both little worlds there.
0: I love that. So mom was the one that cooked. She was in charge of the kitchen. What was dad doing in the garage? Besides picking fresh produce and, and seafood, what was his hobby?
1: Screwing up our cars a lot. Um, <laughs> no, um, he, he actually was very mechanically inclined and mm-hmm. and I do all that too, so I'm kinda like one of those guys that can, you know, fix a mixer or uh, tighten up a table or do any like replace a toilet in a restaurant. So I, my dad taught me all those kind of like man skills and my mom was obviously the one that helped me with all the yeah. you know, finesseful don't cut your fingers off skills. So
0: See that's what I'm talking about. That's the beginning is always where the the sweetness of the story is in the kitchen <laughs> i feel like as as chefs we we get we get a lot from our inspirations from the people that really inspire our craft in it so it's it's definitely useful to have your skills mechanically from dad but also know how to yeah. get around the kitchen and work around uh you know the demands of cooking and preparing and serving food for people
1: yeah what a lot of people don't know is that chefs usually do everything yeah. you know we'll take an order we'll bust a table we'll we'll wash dishes we'll do whatever it takes and i think I, that, that's kind of how I was raised to just mm-hmm. do whatever it took to you know, pitch in at the home and mm-hmm. be responsible, so.
0: Totally, so besides mom and dad, who were or are your inspirations as a chef? And they don't have to even be chefs, it can be anyone. I'm just curious, who really inspires your work?
1: For sure, like I, I, um, I as a college student attempted to be an art major, which I think a lot of chefs are geared and focused towards. There's two kinds of chefs there's like a business chef and there's a artistic chef and i think i landed somewhere in the middle but i went to school to become some sort type of uh, art something um i love to paint i love to sculpt i love to draw um anything creative i was all about so um that is kind of like how i got my start at food i guess um it, it'll actually go back a little bit but um two chefs that I, I really followed a lot like in my day there was no internet and I couldn't get on you know YouTube and just watch somebody cook something awesome and know how to do it in 5 minutes like you guys can do today old man um, <laughs> yeah yeah it was tough like I had to like look over chef's shoulders or cook's shoulders and have to learn the old way like look through the little crack of his armpit and see what he was doing <laughs> and cuz nobody would teach anybody anything back in the day when I started to learn how to cook and if you did find somebody that would teach you to learn cooking, you, like, gravitated to that guy like he was God, like he was your parent. He was going to show you to the promised land. And it was really tough to, to find somebody like that. But once you find somebody like that, it's great. It doesn't apply to every job that you're going to have, but it really helps mold you into who you are. I mean, I went to culinary school and everything else, but you don't really learn a lot. You don't learn the full picture out of culinary school. You learn the basics and... um you learn the terminology and you learn how to be proper about things and learn classical french history but um, learning how to really get down and cook is something that you know somebody has to mentor you in and -hmm. and show you
0: and i feel like even you know, I, I I'm teasing you in jest. It's we all have the information and the access to to learning anything. Really, you can hop online and, and learn to cook. You can learn to play guitar, whatever. Um, but in the kitchens, it's it's still hard. I think to stop the demands of what's going on to be taught to either get mentored by someone um, on staff, but but just to sort of find your way and and the balance can be difficult. So. I want to I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how you flow through your day because it's it's a interesting thing to really hear from someone that's been in the industry for this long and see how they prioritize. How how do they get through the day-to-day daily tasks and weekly tasks? So what's it like for you balancing that the vibe and the clientele at both the Salt Creek Grill and Pickled Monk?
1: Um, it's it's good and it's bad. They both are really really solid uh, projects and concepts for me. Like I really wish I could take the concepts back and forth to each one. One of them's uh, setting around a mesquite grill, and the just the smell of a mesquite grill is something that's so lovely. And you you immediately get an appetite. You don't care what's on the menu. You just want something that smells and tastes from that grill. So um, it's very like all the food, all the recipes are very solid. It's been actually one of my. Uh, easier projects to walk into because usually I'm the guy that comes in and fixes everything. But this one was running really well. Um, Again, focused around the Mesquite grill, but all of the sides, all of the salads, it's just that really homey neighborhood place that it's supposed to be that you hear like as a cliche, that is just such a solid concept. Mm -hmm. So that, and then we have pickled monk, which, um, I don't know if you heard, but we just got um, OC's Best New Restaurant of Outside. 2019.
0: Congratulations.
1: So, um, that was a huge accomplishment. There's a lot of work that goes into that. Um, but that concept's gastropub and it's very like bounce off of flavors of the brews and the you know taps that we have in there. We have a like a self-tapping wall basically. Like somebody put it to me like it's uh, yogurt land for adults because mm-hmm. you can just tap yours to however much you want. Um, so it's really fun and I I know from back when, you know, IPAs were just coming out, everyone was playing with all these flavors and they're intense and strong. And um, and so we wanted to make food that was intense and strong. So I really kind of fell in love with that whole, just let's create something kind of awesome and different. And not like, you know, wine has been around for a while. And, and even though those vitals and styles have changed, beer can change like every couple months. Mm-hmm. And there could be a hot new flavor or a hot new Type of beer every couple of months. And I think that's, it's just so much fun to be able to play with people that are as creative with other flavors that you can combine and make a really neat experience about.
0: Yeah. You're, I, I, I would call you a brewmaster. I would call you a beer connoisseur. I, I like read a lot about what you not only did for the beer movement and the local beer movement, and we'll get to that in a second because I, I want to come back to it. But um, as it relates to the Pickled Monk, I, I want to dive into that local work because it's so awesome what you're doing. And it's very different from the corporate world that you also right. sort of have one foot in. Um, you wrote that your engagement to the community as a business will be mirrored in Pickled Monk by engaging with our guests. The level of cooking in the kitchen will simply be honest, thoughtful, and playful while achieving correct textures and flavor notes from childhood and or a familiar past. I, this is so amazing. It's so deep. It's so intentional um, that you're like speaking my language, chef. I just love that. I love that there's heart. There's oh, yeah. heart. You, undeniably so. Um, how has that been received by your customers?
1: Well, we have kind of the reputation to be the food place that's in the area now. There's a lot of places that do different types of food around us. Um, they kind of turn into a nightclub at night, and a lot of the people that have fell in love with the food there uh, kind of see how these restaurants change into like a club, and that's not what they want. They want like a food place. So from our culture at Salt Creek Grill, which where, you know, that's kind of like our parent company, um, and that, that's our thing. I think our thing is service and f- and food and, and and really serving an honest situation to people. So we already knew that we were going to bring that there. And, and um, that, that kept being repeated out of our guests' mouths. Uh, when we go to the table, it's like, you know, you guys aren't going to turn into a club next week or next month, are you? And we're like, <laughs> no. We love the food thing. We want you to come and enjoy the food thing with us. And we're not going to stop doing this this way. This is just what we do. This is what we're passionate about. So... Um, that's it, it. And something that I learned in, in the food truck world is, you know, you, you don't you don't always you don't see from the food truck how the guys who are cooking the food can see you right through the glass. And it's like one of the most amazing experiences to watch people enjoy your food right after you give it to them. And, you know, you, they don't have to say anything, but you see their face and it's just like it lights up and they look at you and you're like, you're like, you know, is it good? Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like. So it, it, it's super cool to like engage that, and I think I brought that kind of mentality to, to Pickled Monk, and that's what I really wanted to. I'm a texture guy, but I'm also like a new mommy guy. Like I want, I want to cover all your flavor profiles. I want to get the, you know, the color, the crunch, the the spiciness, the saltiness, the sour, and you know, make sure it's visually appealing. And um, that that's just kind of like how I cook, and like when I was on Chop, that's like how you know people always say, how do you how do you just come up with a recipe like when you're on on a show like that and If you just remember that food has to, you know, have to have salt, has to be a little sweet, has to engage your palate a little bit. Um, I love acid, like acidic food. So I think it comes from just wanting to provide that in every kind of, you know, meal or menu item um, and and really get that reaction out of our our, guests. It's something that I've always tried to teach. It's something that I always try to do. So um, something I picked up over the years. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and anyone that's ever had your food or will get the opportunity to have your food Thanks you for that. <laughs> you nail it. You really do and there's no aspect that um that that gets left out of the dishes that you prepare um and I I love that. I really value and respect that a lot. So let's get into your I call it your gastropub passion. Um this is all you. I know that you embarked on uh, the young gastropub movement bringing your Los Angeles-based gourmet food truck project right here to Fullerton. Um the acronym for this you guys is LAGFT.
1: Yeah. It's yeah.
0: a long acronym, but I loved it. I thought <laughs> I would tell you exactly. So the Los Angeles-based gourmet food truck project. Um, at that time, you were pairing farmers market-driven menus with the wide and varied unique flavors of local brews. What made you pursue the gastropub movement?
1: Um, it, well, there's a lot of lot of different things. Again, with the with the brew and how they were coming out with different flavors and the profiles being so strong and fun to, to pair like strong flavored food with. And at the time, you know a lot of Asian and. Uh, spanish Mexican food was really hot so like all of that goes really well with citrusy or you know notes of beer so it was it was fun and easy to do that but also um, back then the farmers markets didn't have a lot of hot food at their locations nor did um
0: you mean prepared food not spicy food correct like prepared sa- sandwiches salads whatever yeah
1: and and uh, you know breweries were breweries' and basically warehouses in industrial areas so they didn't have food either and they wanted to give people a, a you know tasting rooms wanted to give people a full experience so they would invite food trucks out to their locations and we would kind of do partnerships and we would study their beer menus and we would study their profiles and we would try to get at least two or three of our dishes to stand up to their food and maybe promote or make or create a couple other items just for that brewery maybe incorporating some of their beer so it was one of those things that everyone was starting something new and exciting and everyone wanted to get be a part of it and we happened to get hot really fast in LA and we got invited to a lot of these uh, breweries everywhere and it was just something that we used to do is travel around, create menus with these breweries and create menus with these farmers markets and there would be challenges at these farmers markets where they would give us an ingredient and all the food trucks that were on the lot would create dishes and they would vote at the end of the night. Cool. So it was just, it was really cool and, and no one was like mean about it or have ill will on anybody. It was, it was a fun competition and as cooks, you know, are, we'd go to each other's trucks and be like, hey man, taste this. Is it, you know, do, do, is it missing something? And it was really cool. Like we, it was getting involved with everybody from behind the scenes and in front. Um, to the guests, and it was just a really neat, creative, collaborative experience.
0: Yeah, and you were really, you were in the forefront of the gourmet food truck movement um, because you, you also owned and operated, is it VZ? VZ. Vizy. Tell us about Vizy.
1: Vizy was uh, something we invented um, because all of our, everything we tried to do. So we, our food truck was different. We started out with like having flat screens on our food truck. We had like music pumped out with local artists. We'd let we'd invite local artists to play while we'd park somewhere and serve food. So we really wanted to like really push the art culture scene. We're going to all the art walks first Friday, obviously is huge in Venice. And then, you know, LA art walk was huge also, Um, but we'd go to all these artist districts and we'd try to pair up and collab with people that would design t-shirts or stickers or um, again, like music. And it was just such a neat vibe. Like, you know, we weren't, you know, necessarily always making a lot of money, but we were benefiting from all of our creativity and getting in the streets and like getting to learn, you know, what's going on in all these little pockets of LA and, and Orange County. And it was super cool to like, just be on the forefront of that and, and, and kind of lead a away. Lead so, but busy was like a, a visual term that we used to give people because our food was very visually stimulating. Oh, wow. I
0: love but then,
1: that. but we play like, you know, music and shows on our flat screens and stuff to get people to just be really like stimulated in, in, into what we were doing on our truck.
0: And, and Vizzy was also featured on the Cooking Channel's Food Truck Revolution. What was that experience like for you guys?
1: It was crazy. That was, that was crazy. There was yeah, a lot of that. trucks trying to compete for getting on this show. And, and again, we were like kind of the, we were the mid group. You know, we weren't like the Kogi truck. We weren't the first groups that were out there, um, but we were in that second tier and obviously we were bringing it, you know, we were really trying to compete with these guys that were doing this for a while and um, wanted to get a reputation right away. And and we did, I think we were top 50 in like three months. Wow. It was fast. And so um, getting on the show was cool. Like, I guess, you know, we also used to park in front of a bunch of uh, um, studios that used to do recordings and stuff, shows, and the producers and stuff would come out to the truck and they'd always check us out. And we kind of noticed, you know, couple times and and people would come on and they like you know can we put you on our show and if we didn't know what it was or really care we were no you know that's that's not cool and then um like the guys from chop came on and were and and they were like you want to be on on chop and i was like and first i was like no you know that's not that's not cool it's that's a silly show (laughs) um but uh when we did get picked up by these the food truck revolution guys it was a serious project and um i had no idea i'd done a little bit of media stuff before that but um, we were literally they were with us all day long and we had to kind of accommodate the cameras and accommodate you know situations that were live and, and I think everything was really cool and organic and I think I appreciate that the most because they, it wasn't set. Um, and I, I did appreciate the honesty of that show and, and how they really portray the life of like what it's like to grind it out you know owning a food truck. It's like we used to start I used to leave my house. I used to have this joke. I used to say that I would never see my kids, Camden and Corvin, with their eyes open. They would always be closed. So I'd always like kiss them before I left. They'd always be asleep when I left and then they'd be asleep when I got back. And not a, people, not a lot of people know that's one aspect of the culinary industry where, you know, you really don't have a life, but even more so like this food truck thing, you're, you're driving around all the time and you're not one place for too long and it's you gotta start super early, you gotta load up this truck that, you know, some of your stuff is at the yard and some of this stuff is in your truck and it's, it's like double preparation. You're almost like catering to yourself And it's a two-step before you can really start selling food. So it was a long, hard day, and I think that was a really cool documentary kind of thing they did that was also very entertaining, um, putting spotlight on the gourmet food trucks in hell, you know? Just all the aspects of it
0: yeah and when you mentioned before like you were one of many for people that that don't understand what an audition like this is like or the whole process of doing being chosen to be on a network television series there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people yeah. other food tricks just like yours that applied to do this and you guys were chosen um so it says a lot about The ability to be able to balance everything, to show up for that grind, to be really present for it and to just to take it and you did. You did really, really well and it was um, it was just a good piece. So I, I commend you for doing that. Thanks. And in addition to, to doing that and beyond the kitchen, I also read that you've been featured in several other cooking demonstrations that have been broadcasted, um, food documentaries, and instructional videos, which I watched, uh, let's see, it was uh, On the Bay with Chef Fouillier. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ah, I'm into this, my new favorite <laughs> YouTube show. And a bunch of TV shows, including Chopped and, and The Cooking Channel, all this. And so... My my curious question for a lot of chefs that also do media work is how has doing this media work for you really changed things for you in the work that you do in the kitchen and how do you think that these experiences have informed um, how you serve your guests differently today?
1: Well, I you know one one actual thing about this industry that I ever thought um, I knew that was going to be there that that I would I would even like I mean when I when I first started cooking all the cooks in my generation just wanted to be the best cook ever mm-hmm. they just they didn't care they were just wanted to learn everything they could as fast as they could um, you kind of you know get backstabbed be backstabbed backstab somebody else I mean it was <laughs> a rough it was really hard to, to learn and, and, and move your way up in this industry um, and doing doing things like that are just an extension of the kind of things that I really love about being in the kitchen now which is like sharing the knowledge that I have or the um, techniques, or anything that I can help someone else who I see struggling or uh, somebody who I really know wants to get good at it and um, they're trying really hard. There's people that are motivated by so many different things and it's, maybe it's a schedule or maybe it's just, um, you know, learning, learning how to do something cleaner. Um, but seeing these little gems in what we do every day is one thing that I thought was just so stimulating to me and then having the platform to be able to speak out to other people or show other people or and share that you know experience even more was is even better for me but i think one of my biggest passions now is just working with the people that we have Mm -hmm. who i know and see work so hard every day and if there's anything that i can do or help them with or make their day any easier or you know give them even a little bit more gratitude for what they're doing is just a gift to me. So if I can do any of that, show any of that, share any of that, it's just, it's just amazing. It's another amazing thing that I never knew as part of this industry.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah. So there was, sounds like there was definitely like a, just a shift in your perception on how you are grateful to be in this industry, even though there is a grind to it. Um, you really value the work that you do, and that that shows. Yeah, and yeah. It, it shows on the work that you do behind the camera as well. So it's authentic for you. Thanks. Yeah, Thank it really you. is. Um, I, we're going to wrap up with one final question. Uh, with every plate that you create, what is the underlying message that you're trying to convey through your food?
1: Man, I thought it was going to be a what's your death row meal. <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, I want food and menus to mimic life. And I think that um, to be able to showcase or share again, like all the hard work that goes into what it takes to put recipes and menus together. I mean, you're never gonna make everybody happy, but um, menus are like life. Like there's gonna be moody um, dishes. There's gonna be spicy dishes. There's gonna be dishes that you want to remind somebody of their childhood or a childhood memory. I think that's always been something special about the food that I make, you know, some of it's quick and just fried and crunchy and sweet and salty and spicy and that's great and everything, but some of the dishes I really want to have like an, a, a really solid like sauce and a, an experience where you like taste it and layers come into your mind and you think about, you know, something you had that your mom made you a long time ago or um, something like that. So I, I, I think that just trying to put menus together that kind of make everybody happy um, but also give you different emotions and feelings and kind of share a part of your life with you and us I mean I think that makes um, food and restaurants special not only does the staff and the service but I think that kind of thoughtfulness and what you're trying to prepare for the for the people is is something that's, that's something I always want to be able to do and if I can't do that anymore I'll do something else but
0: for sure for <laughs> sure but can people come and see you at the pickled monk are you there where if people come in could they like ask to see you or would you come into the dining room how often are you like oh, in yeah. the space i
1: well i i bounce around a lot i mean we have three restaurants here on the west coast that i oversee and then there's two in new jersey so i could be anywhere um uh yeah i mean i would just try to come in there and ask for me or I guess that's probably the best thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Try I'm, to find
0: I'm, him if you can.
1: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really kind of everywhere. But yeah. but another cool thing is that the staff that we have at Pickled Monk carries that care and that thoughtfulness and that love into everything. And they really, I, I can't tell you that I've worked with a crew that, and they're so young. Yeah. I'm um, speaking of them too. So I congratulate them even more engaging like that. But like, they're just they're just so honest and they're good, yeah. they're, they're good people. So I, if you talk to any one of them, they'll share all the passion that we have about it. But definitely if you go, you go into Pickled Monk, please ask for me and, and see you know, when I'll be there next or if I'm there at all. I will definitely come out and, and talk to you if you ask for me. So um, please you know, do that.
0: Stop on by you guys. It's Pickled Monk, downtown Fullerton. You are making a name for yourself here in Fullerton and everywhere. Thank you so much. Let's give a warm thank you to the incredible chef, David Founier. We really appreciate it. Thank you,
1: everybody. Thank you to all our guests and performers. Thank you to our partners, supporters, and especially to the Muckenthaler Cultural Center. This tour visited Museo Museum and Cultural Center in Anaheim earlier this month. And the tour will be leaving the Muckenthaler Cultural Center here in Fullerton to visit the Frida Cinema in Santa Ana, Musco Center for the Arts at Chapman University in Orange, and Centennial Farm at the OC Fair and Event Center in Costa Mesa. Thank you for joining us and supporting creative and cultural events in your community. Have a great night. (laughs)